This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Daniel Proust, sitting in the center chair this week. And on my left, I am joined by Omnipotent Darren. And on my right, I'm joined by Omniscient Philip. Hey, guys, listen... (laughs) <laughs> fair enough you know I, I have a question you know why you guys have all these great abilities this, this immense incredible power why do you guys have such boring common names well you know when you've been the scarecrow as long as i have like you know there's really nothing better than just blending in with the common man and just having a simple name i mean remember remember philip when we were hanging out with kevin yeah he was he was a great guy just oh yeah, talk, I mean, talking yeah. about boring yeah. names. Look, at least Darren and Philip. <laughs> no that's a little, you know, a little cut above. Yeah, I mean, don't, guys, I, I really, I don't mean to insult you, but it's just, you know, it's, it doesn't have any pizzazz. Doesn't it? Just seems like you're just a normal everyday person. All right, well, Darren, I, I, I know we promised you weren't going to do this, but I think it's time to put Daniel on trial for crimes against um, <laughs> yep. Q kind. Because if you can't remember the Q, you're nothing but a dangerous savage child race. Yeah, I think we should put him on trial for all podcasters of humanity. That's right. <laughs> and yeah, don't you represent yourself as what podcasting has become? <laughs> it's not what we were. <laughs> oh, no, we're not even going to get into it. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. Well, um, this one actually might – people might be able to pick up on this one right away, I think, uh, this introduction this week. We're going to be talking about something that Star Trek does specifically, but science fiction does a lot. Uh, we're going to talk about amazingly powerful aliens, godlike beings. We're going to talk about uh, all of these super advanced civilizations that uh, have incredible abilities. They're made of, of, of light or energy or sand or, or, or bright orange jumpsuits, whatever it is. But you have some super finger-snapping, face-winking kind of ability that makes, causes you to have control over matter, energy, and time or whatever. Now, this is, this is a, a common science fiction uh, thing, and I wanted to talk a, a little bit about how um, it was kind of a prevalent theme in TOS, um, and in TNG, we did pick it up early on and then kind of tapered off towards the end. We'll, uh, we'll bring up specifics in a minute, but when you guys think godlike beings, and I'm going to say this, except for Q, do you normally think that uh, that's a kind of a TNG thing, or do you think of it more of like a TOS thing? I mean, I, I I was thinking about this topic, um, obviously, um, today, and and I guess the one thing I was thinking about, and you know, I feel like I always have to like give the disclaimer, especially because of last week's episode. You know, hey, I'm not, we're not, we don't bash other other series. We really <laughs> love the other series. But so when I say this, please don't take this as a slam against TOS. But like, um, the next gen is a little more reality based, which I know is funny to say because it's sci fi and it's all made up. But like, it was sort of you know, it, we're going to be a little bit more sciencey. It's going to be a little bit more realism. 
them. And so when you have those godlike beings, it's kind of a little more fantastical than we usually try to be uh, in TNG in sort of this science-y techno-babble world. But that being said, you know, when you start sit down and start to think about it, it's not like we never did it, even outside of Q. There probably are a whole lot more godlike beings in TNG than most people think. Yeah, I agree with Philip. You know, I can think of a couple in TOS, but it, especially after reviewing your wonderful notes, Daniel, I see that, yeah, there are actually quite a few. Uh, and, and that's a good point that Philip made where, you know, yeah, with, with Kirk, he's, you know, he's flying around and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, the ship's been grabbed by a giant hand and it's just, it's so, it's fantastical, you know, and that was kind of the, the spirit of the episodes. Whereas in TNG, you get a lot more of, well, it's not really a godlike being, it's, you know, a trick or it's, you know, a powerful alien that just is on a different plane or something, or it's Q. I mean, Q is its own category, its own letter, you know, uh, but, yeah, I think uh, I think Philip was was right on the head. I mean, like it's not often that we encounter Lincoln in space, so I'm saying it's just a different show. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> I <laughs> forgot about true. that. Yeah, you're right. It is it is tonally different, right? Uh, in TOS, it's more more abstracted. It's more like actually, I, I wouldn't even say that. it's more like uh, silly kind of myth characters and and these kinds of over the top kind because of, you know that's how TOS was and in TNG it's more of like a slightly grounded more grounded approach where it's like okay this is just an alien of immense power right it's taken much more like like Q even when we learn what Q does it's not like anybody starts to bow down and worship him on TNG it's just that he's this is a thing this thing that we have to kind of find a way to defeat what what I was just thinking about when you were talking was how it kind of it doesn't do a 180 but maybe it does like a like a a a 150 no a 147 degree turn in um uh deep space nine where where they like kind of toe the line for for the prophets where it's like yes we we do see them as um just advanced aliens but we also deal with the side of them where it's like okay there are people that like actually view these beings as gods at the as well. uh, course of the wormhole daniel 147 mark 52 mark <laughs> <laughs> i think it'd be 147 mark 47 47 actually you know uh oddly enough 147 degrees is the angle at which impocnor is uh has a camera angle at <laughs> which is totally different totally different <laughs> i mean i could list the ways it's a different station well, and I, th- and I think one thing that TNG is continues with TOS, you know, in some ways, like if I don't know, in reality, of course, you know, it's hard. None of this is reality. But like in reality, when you counter these godlike beings, like I would be a little impressed. I'd be a little impressed that Q can can do all these things. But Picard just is annoyed. <laughs> generally buy it all so i think that's always the and then, you know in some of these things there's a degree of fear or or humor or amusement or annoyance so i would always find those reactions like i would i would be like that's pretty cool there that you just made time stand still or shuttlecrafts disappear or a mariachi band appear out of nowhere but no we're annoyed by it okay or even offered to make data human which would have uh been really interesting you know another thing i was thinking of too and that's the problem um that's the problem with like trying to view star trek uh, as like a real universe sometimes it's like if you have q like beings 
in your universe, the Borg are not your number one threat. Like, did, is there like a like an an incognito like operative of Section Thirty One somehow trying to infiltrate the Q continuum? Like, that's way bigger of an existential threat than than the Borg or the Dominion ever would be. Like, if if yeah, if you had a Q that goes off his meds, like he's gonna just. He just he could snap everything out of existence. Seriously, you know, I mean, I guarantee you, and I don't want to, I don't want all the Deep Space Nine fans to get mad at me. So I love Deep Space Nine. Oh, guys, just but I'm just saying, out. It's, if, it'll be totally fine. <laughs> all the disclaimers if, are just being thrown <laughs> all around today. If Cisco didn't punch Q. Q would have showed up in the sixth season, and he would have just removed the Dominion threat completely in the blink of an eye, and it would have been done. But no, he had to be he had to be grumpy, and he got so real mad when, some, you know, when somebody for brought the up Dominion Picard. War. You're saying <laughs> that every death. In the end. <laughs> oh, but no. Anyways, uh, so what I was actually Q trying light. to say was uh, I wanted to bring I wanted to bring uh, Voyager into it because Philip, when you were talking about like why is nobody impressed, well, a lot of criticism that the Q episodes have on Voyager about how. I mean, it's tough. It's tough when you have this character that can do anything uh, and should be able to move them f- to home instantly. For, and, and it wouldn't even cost him anything. It's not like it's a... It's not even like it bothers him. He could just... He brought the moon to the Delta Quadrant in that one episode. Like, why can't Q just bring us home? And it's tough to do that kind of a story because if you can run into these these cute, these godlike beings and we'll, you know, we'll see how frequently it happens... We'll talk about it. Um, but to be fair, you know, it was only a paper moon. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. But that's, I mean, we've, we've already gone through, hey, four out of the five series. You can see Lake Armstrong clearly here, on uh, a night like tonight. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we couldn't see it in that episode either. <laughs> well, and I'm <sighs> glad that the moon that he, when he brought it, he kept it facing the right direction. I mean, it could have been the other side of the moon, you know, which looks very different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's tidally locked Voyager now, so uh, it just floats around in the Delta Quadrant, I guess. Anyways, wait. Does that mean that Q is responsible for the plot of Space Nineteen Ninety Nine? What? Nobody. Nobody. No. Okay. No. Uh, quick summary: <laughs> a giant nuclear stockpile on the moon blows the moon out of orbit, and it sails through the galaxy, encountering things as it goes yep that's the plot i couldn't couldn't even make that up but all right for our 12 listeners who are applauding thanks <laughs> that's dr sci-fi it's <laughs> funny that's dr sci-fi knows about other sci-fi shows <laughs> <laughs> anyways so let's let's get into it a little bit here um we're gonna take the next five ten minutes we already have a whole show about q but Oh, actually, more than one. But let's just address it because he's the Q in the room. He's he's the whatever. I'm not even going to try. Um, but Q, we all like Q. But I think as far as uh, omnipotent, as far as godlike aliens go, we certainly get the most development with Q as a, as a character and Q as a species overall. And uh, we know the most about them. And they also seem to be, like, if we were to make up a, like a power rating in the in the Star Trek universe, I'm pretty sure Q would would be at the top. Maybe Max Q, yeah. 
So, like, are you saying, like, in the latest edition of um, GQ, <laughs> um, the, with the the top, you know, the top fifty most powerful beings, <laughs> Q would be number one yes. on the cover. So. You would be number one. Who There's would a be special like, letter to the editor? Who'd... How do you tell each other apart? All of your names are Q. It's just how. <laughs> That's true. Which Q would it be? That's right. That's well, question. I mean, I, I was thinking Q. Yeah. Um, you all are probably thinking yeah, Q, that's though. True. So yeah, yeah. But you know, you know who's underrated as yeah. the, as Q. Well, I mean, I can see that because he was. He, well, unless you're talking about her, because then it was her too. But so, Q yeah. liked sticking, yeah. you know, their head through shuttle walls. That was fun. You, yeah. Wait, you mean starship walls? Yeah. Oh wait, I, I forgot. <laughs> little, little starship. Okay, never mind. <laughs> little starship walls. <laughs> <laughs> Starship walls. Uh, and they love, um, yeah, so, and they love, you know, being on the back of shuttles, just standing there watching the stars go by. <laughs> so we, I mean, we all like Q, right? But but as far as a, as far as a, I mean, he's as close to God powers, right, as you can get. Well, it, just and it's interesting because I mean, you know, are are we just framing this in TNG? Because you know, it's interesting whether it's hiding Q, which I know I don't, I don't pull that one out often, but um, you know, the continual. Yes, that episode of Q. <laughs> I know that one exactly. <laughs> I'll get it. I'll get it. You can fake it in a second here. Um, because at the end of that episode, uh, Picard uses the continuum against Q. And says, "Well, didn't you give us a bargain?" And then, like, the continuum sort of appears, you know, as magical snakes or something. I forget. And they sort of like take Q away um, because Picard, you know, sort of has summoned that. I guess that, that it sort of like reminds me of. Uh, well, it's against Janeway, so you know, I've you know, you're many things, Q, but the one thing you aren't is a liar, and and, and or something like that. And he's like, "Oh." I think you've you've revealed my only you know one good thing. Am I blushing? But anyway, um, but at least just within TNG, you sort of get that that view of the continuum. And then of course with True Q, Amanda, um, you sort of get that perspective of the Q, you know, killing its own people or whatever. Um, But of course, if then if you go into Voyager, it's a whole you know expansion. But just within the TNG realm, that's sort of just the little bit we get. And of course, all good things the continuum, you know, sending Q to put Picard to the test. Well, and, and that's, I think, one of the interesting things about the Q is the fact that, you know, for a all-powerful being that can do almost anything, it, you know, there there sure are a lot about their rules, and which kind of makes sense. I mean, if you have this society, I guess, loosely called a society of different entities that are the Q... You know that have it's a continuum. Have free, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? It's right here on the, on the tip of my t- continuum. Yeah, and uh, it's the uh, rules of acquisitions uh, they follow. Is it, is, is it a quorum? No, that's not right. We, we can call this episode uh, 99 coupons, and but I ain't got a problem. Um, but uh, anyway, but it's just it's interesting how yeah, like you were saying, Philip, in in some of the episodes where the continuum cracks down or. You know, they later have a civil war. Like, it really matters, though, whether or not they follow their rules. I mean, they, they discipline their own members, as we see in Deja Q. And, you know, so. What's interesting to me about Q is, like, he he is shown as all-powerful. Or they, I guess, I don't know, whatever you want to say. <clears throat> they are shown as all-powerful. But 
they don't know everything. Like he reacts in real time to to the conversations he's having. I mean, he could clearly read people's minds or do whatever he wants to do. He doesn't even have to exist within time. So I mean, he doesn't really even have to talk to people. But he, you know, and I guess maybe that kind of goes along with the idea that the Q are just bored. So you know, they have nothing better to do. <laughs> and and ultimately, there's nothing that Picard or anybody else he's talking to can do to like, you know, really put him in danger or affect him in any kind of way so it's just kind of an amusement for him uh because of his incredible immense power it just seems it's always it's almost like seems insignificant why he would be like even interacting with people and all of this stuff well like it's only during encounter that we have the crew trying to use you know their technology and means to try to fight q because uh, after that, it's just like, oh, he's the wacky uncle, you know, whatever. Um, but, you know, they try to, you know, shields and outrun them at warp and saucer separate in the face and all that stuff. And, you know, um, and then they just sort of resign themselves to it for the, for the next seven years. Or maybe even more. We don't know. We don't get to see it. That's right. He did say he'd pop up again from time to time. Well, okay, so let's start talking about some of the other crazy powerful beings that we encounter in star trek data of course we get it right off what's that data data well data Data? is powerful but he's certainly not that um we get i mean we get it right off the bat with encounter of farpoint obviously with q uh and then it it but you know what we cool off for a bit uh and then i think it takes a whole two episodes uh, before we encounter our next super powerful. Now, to be fair, when I was, you know, kind of researching the subject, there's not, there's no, I mean, this is a continuum, ha ha ha. There's no, like, exact definition for what you would call, a, like, a godlike being or or the super powerful being. Like, it's just, yeah, I just kind of had to make some judgment calls. So here we are, and I wanted to, I did want to bring up the Traveler, because he does seem to be able to, uh, you know, uh, warp reality, and that seems pretty impressive uh, as far as abilities go. Daniel, um, and Daniel, the- what you're talking about is dangerous. I hope you know what you're <laughs> saying. Wait, sorry, I wasn't in and the room when you were talking about me. What was there? Something important that I should know? What? Uh, <laughs> uh, believe me, Darren, you do not want to be the problem. <laughs> yeah, unless unless Lizzie's going to grow to be a ball of light. <laughs> I, uh, well, she is a ball of energy well, right now. Up, so. uh, She's not. She's halfway there. <laughs> Unless you want to end up as, uh, you know, on How to Catch a Predator, uh, you don't want to be the traveler. <laughs> um, but, you know, he's a reoccurring character, too. We get him in three separate episodes. Um, and he just does miraculously. Pop- he just happens to know when we need him. Like, hey, Beverly Crusher has early onset Alzheimer's. Like, come on <laughs> down. We need you to, you know, fix this. Now I'm, I am picturing, like, whether you want to go, like, Zordon, where he has like the wrist thing, or whether like there's some sort of like traveler bat signal of you know, like <laughs> you know, he like, always beep, seems beep, to know. Beep, 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 beep. Oh, Wesley did so, me, like, <laughs> which almost makes me think like he has his own show, or like you know, like the Enterprise D is not his main. Yeah, the you know, like that's sort of like he cameos, like it's basically like he is the the Flash to its uh, you know arrow, so. Because he can move really emergency fast. Emergency power to That's metaphor. <laughs> emergency power. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Philip, you know, that, that reminds me. Well, it doesn't remind me, but it makes me think. If this character had its own show, 
or if we wanted to cross universes, this character, the Traveler, has definitely met the Doctor <laughs> on multiple occasions. Hey, power levels, the metaphor stabilizing. We're good. We're good here. <laughs> but which Doctor? Or Ooh. all of them? No, it's, we're talking about which Is he doctor? like the Brigadier? It's Doctor Who, not Doctor Who. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he was the uh, the War Doctor's <laughs> companion. That's why he's so oh, grumpy. Okay. Since we don't. That's legit. <laughs> But yeah, no, the Traveler, yeah, like you said, Daniel, he just kind of shows up when he's needed, kind of convenient, I guess. Uh, but yeah, he does, I don't know, maybe, unlike Q, where Q's all about his own amusement, the Traveler's all about finding exceptional people and pushing them to their potential, I guess. It seems to be his mantra, which is, that's kind of a, maybe a, maybe that'll be a common thread as we discuss uh these beings like what is their driving force because that's always you know hard to comprehend with a being you know we're always asking that question like what does god need with a starship uh you know we're asking what do these characters need what do they want and the traveler just wants to be that creepy guy who just you know sponsors your child and you know you're like why am i leaving you alone with him i don't know because the interest, I mean, the interest, and I know I've said this before, with the Traveler, you know, even though he got three whole episodes, I'm kind of saying that kind of with a smile, but uh, even though he got three whole episodes, like, we really don't know anything about him. Um, I think they did, oh, and I'm blanking, if I had done research, like, they did mention where he came from, because I remember in Remember Me, uh-huh, um, uh, Beverly actually tries to set course towards his oh, universe, yeah, yeah. and I am blanking 100% on what that was. But anyway, which I don't may have been a cover for all we know, but you know, and it, it also occurs to me to to put actually some a positive spin. Two two notes on the traveler. Number one, he, even though his in where no man has gone before has or where no one has gone before, excuse me, uh, the message essentially is um, use your imagination, right? Like um, it, butterfly it's kind of a, in the sky. Crossover with Reading Rainbow would have been really perfect, um, but he also understands. He also understands the importance of visiting friends and family as for an important event like, say, a wedding. Uh, so you know, he he obviously he cares more about people's relationships than maybe some other people on the ship do. To be sure, there was never any Traveler Wharf, um, you know, interaction. So maybe the Traveler Plus is the Wharf one probably- who pushed him into the parallel universes. It's true. Oh. Oh. To teach him a he lesson. Like, you think you won first first place in this uh, competition war? <laughs> oh, bam! No, and you didn't. That way, Troy, <laughs> the traveler was like, can learn that the you know the really the the power was in him all along. He just had to believe in himself. No, <laughs> now was it the traveler or was it Wesley who was with the traveler oh, at that time? It was his first experiment. Okay, I want you to do something. Uh, this shuttle. <laughs> That's right. Remember, you can you can blame every bad episode of TNG on Wesley after Journey's End because he was a ball of light. We don't mean it. We'll wait and please come on our show. Don't listen to Philip. <laughs> <laughs> except for Nem, except for Nemesis, when he just looked like a, a an older <laughs> Wesley. <That's true>. <laughs> well, he was like Odo. It took him a while to master shapes, and so by Nemesis, which is set 150 years in the future, I believe, from uh, generations, um, you know. Hey, what? Um, just out of curiosity, I have actually never even looked. What rank do they give him in Nemesis? I what rank is he wearing? See? 
I may be uh, guessing out of my whatever. I want to say I lieutenant think junior grade, but I least be 100% a lieutenant. Wrong. I think he's a lieutenant, but I'm not. I'm don't. We we know he's not a commander. So well, but but anyways, he was the new captain of the Titan. There's a vacancy for commander. He wasn't yet. Well, he was know. not yet the new captain of the Titan. I guess Data and was going to be the commander. Let's, we, yeah, we have to assume Data would have learned from Riker and would not have allowed any other commanders on the Enterprise. Okay. Uh, anyways, let's just. I'm not going to go through the whole list. I'm just going to bring up some highlights that I want to mention. You guys can throw them out there too if you ever. Highlights. You, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> We, I am going to mention this because Philip called me out for not including this on my outline, but uh, in justice, justice, hashtag justice, we get floating debris, uh, half transparent floating debris, which apparently counts as a godlike being. They call it God, uh, straight up. They do, they do. No, it's true. This actually, that's actually kind of a perfect example of. <laughs> actually, you should have really and, and made and it and first it says, on your list if you think about it, Daniel. But. <laughs> <laughs> it even says, I am the guardian of four. Oh, no, that's a different but guardian. But it looks strangely <laughs> enough like Commander Duff's home turf. I don't know. Make me- <laughs> so this is that is actually is an interesting uh, episode, especially in light of this conversation, because it is exactly uh, what we're talking about. It's 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 kind of like a mini... In the same way that Who Watches the Watchers, which we'll talk about a little bit here, um, it and what kind of what Deep Space Nine does with the prophets, it kind of explores two separate sides of what an ultra powerful being could do to the people who, uh, either de- you know, depending whether it's the, the the being itself wants to be worshipped or revered, or through misunderstanding, there's always one side that kind of uh, you know. It views this thing as a creator, as a god, or a protector. And there's always our crew, normally, that comes in and is like, hey, you know, you don't be subjugated. And then they kill their god and leave the planet. Like, you know, that's a, a criticism of TOS. Uh, but, you know, it, it, so there's always this kind of, it's obviously a very heavy religious undertone. But it, it, even, it doesn't have to be specifically that. It's, it's a lot about power and how people react differently to power. And uh, it's a, Justice is a great example of how everything, everything, <laughs> everything. Uh, and you know about about these kinds of issues we're talking about. Well, it's I mean, in another example would be the caretaker. Um, in oh yeah, caretaker. oh my god, didn't even think about it. Um, you know, but yeah, because because in the, for those who and I don't know why you want it, don't remember justice. Um, but like the uh, Edo Guardian. <laughs> Is very interesting because it's almost like half in another, well, or seventy five percent or ninety percent in another dimension. Like the crew can barely see it until it, um, you know, and until it kind of reveals itself. And even then, it only like sort of half reveals itself. And it does have these fantastical, well, or at least you know, it can beam, uh, you know, and all over the place. It can, I forget if it like causes the Earth to shake or I forget, but it, you know, or the ship to shake certainly, um, you know, because or. Because it's like a taxi enterprise in some weird way. I'm blanking it until they beam, you know, the the Edo back to the planet. Um, and so it's it's, but it's certainly one that can also be reckoned with. And I just love, yes, I'm going to do this. And I just love Justice because <laughs> what it does is, for those who don't remember Justice, is um, the Edo Guardian, you know, accesses the Enterprise's database and the whole Prime Directive, and then judges 
the Federation and the Starfleet based on its own rules. And so that's the whole justice part where Picard has to say, like, well, you know, uh, or, you know, this whole prime directive thing where we kind of check ourselves. We're actually being, you know, checked by this godlike being or whatever you want to call it, Guardian, you know. And so and in a way that a godlike being, you know, a lot of people will, will look at it that, you know, we're being judged and, and what will be our punishment if we don't act accordingly? And so Picard's in that position of having to argue, you know, before, you know, quote unquote, God or the guardian of like, OK, yeah, all right. I, those are our rules. Yes. Yes. But, you know, you know, this, these are the, you know, exceptions. But you'll that see we have. the little so, asterisks next to prime af- directive. Uh, yeah, there's yes, a reason for that. Yeah. I know it says that there are 10 parts of the Prime Directive, but originally there were 15. We dropped a stone. <laughs> Long story. But, um, He's but 10. I, but, but I, 10 yeah. Prime Commandments. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So. You know, and as I was thinking about this episode, I, I kind of came up with this test. And I haven't really thought it through completely yet, but... Like I said before, Q is kind of our benchmark for godlike beings. And I kind of like to compare in my head, like, if Q just happened to be along on board the Enterprise, just bugging Picard for whatever <laughs> reason, for each of these for each of these adventures, like, what would his response be? Um, and, like, you know, with the Traveler, he doesn't care. Like, the, tra- whatever. the Traveler can just... Oh, the hitchhiker. <laughs> yeah, like, it wouldn't... But, or this, uh, this god, the, the Edo god, is like... I don't know. We don't really know a lot about it. And it's, it's, to me, it's strange to see it so focused on one planet. But to be fair, Q is focused on one crew most of the time. And it's like, that's even way less than one planet. So it's, it's tough to judge them. We are like, to me, of like, Bajor. Yeah, or the, or the prophets. But I mean, at least the prophets were, um, from what I could tell, geographically kind of restricted. Well, except system? for when they built the they spheres. Couldn't. I mean, wait, no, never mind. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. They they sent an ambassador to Earth to. Well, I won't finish. <laughs> yeah, well, we will never. We won't talk about that on this show. <laughs> anyways, anyways, let's let's move on, guys. Let's move on to another famous example in TNG, which is uh, Nigulum. Yes, yes. Uh, Mister Green Froggy Face, because he doesn't have a nose. Um, in where silence has lease, and this is interesting because you kind of fall through space to get to where he's at, and then he's like, "I don't know what death is. I'll just kill everybody, or a third you know, of your crew. most of you, or whatever." <laughs> yeah, um, not a lot to specifically talk about here, but he's definitely an example. Like he's a classic example of just like here's just a guy who just hangs out, and then if you fall into his trap, uh, better watch out. Well, it, it's kind of a – well, it's not kind of. It is, to me, a very uh, – like, creepy is not the right word, but I'm going to go with it. A very creepy episode because you know, it's this whole puzzle thing and it takes a while for, for those who don't remember the episode. You sort of get caught into this – what they don't know is basically they're in a sort of like a big, you know, uh, uh, rat maze, you know, whatever, um, or laboratory. Um, and, and that where, where this being is basically putting them through all these weird things. It's where we get the infamous two – bridges two bridges um, <laughs> <laughs> um and you know ah oh, what is this being a woman and then Pulaski getting kind of gets thrown around the bridge a couple times um but anyway but but you know he's like he he ends up i mean what was kind of the climax of the episode is when he kills someone um uh, i don't know if it's the it's the right it's the con yeah. officer Ensign, right who does the grab very, your face ah uh... 
yeah. yeah, yeah, which is obviously not you know not good, and and this whole killing thing, and and I, and I, I it, I'm trying to remember how Picard ends it because this happens a lot in Star Trek, so the episodes do run together. <laughs> this is sort of like the we're not going to play anymore, you know, yeah. uh, example like of I scientific think, method he of Voyager self destruct. Like oh yeah maybe I that's appreciate what it is. And yeah, they, like yeah. at the last mm-hmm. second stop it because they're pretty sure they're out out of the nebula. Picard's like uh, they've worked with the binars. It'll work here. Yeah, because that's one of the few times because it was that was season one, right? The so you had like the old style nineteen eighties. Oh, sorry, season two. Uh, um, like Pulaski, because you know the yeah. clock. It's like click 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 click. You know, <laughs> practically expected a big round clock in main engineering. Um. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how he gets out of it. But yeah, but, but then you sort of have that ending, um, you know, where the, oh we're safe, and then sort of Nagilam comes on like the trial the, never the ended. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you know, you are very interesting. Like you know, again, with it being like 1988, it was kind of cool. I love the way they did the whole face and this, this, the the because he almost looks like like a child frog toad thing. Um, and then the <laughs> voice is very cool. And it, it was interesting. I thought it, that was very interesting because, because, you know, Nagilam's point of view is like, Oh, I'm an explorer too. I just happen to explore by taking beings and having them run through my trials. And so it's sort of a, you know, very cross section there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good example of it. Um, it's also like a good example of the fact that we always see, I mean, we have to, right? We see limits of their powers. We, that's kind of how the, 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 our heroes come out on top is that these people cannot actually be all powerful or all knowing. Like there's no way you can defeat a being like that. So like there's always got to be some oversight or some overlook that they don't. Except for Q like, you know, who just like, chooses oh, not to. Yeah, but Q isn't shown as malicious most of the time. It's not necessarily that we're. (laughs) (laughs) It's not necessarily that we're trying to like defeat or kill Q so much as it's uh, uh, solve whatever problem he's kind of placed before us, which he's most of the time is done deliberately. So it's certainly done in a way. It's crafted in a way that's possible to get out of. Right? Think of. Think of tapestry or uh, uh, all good things, um, or even. Aaron, you uh, named two Q episodes. <laughs> I know, but notice there are two Q episodes that don't have Q in the title. <laughs> Those are all the ones that don't have Q in the title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it, and you know, not to get too deep here, but you know, a lot of these episodes and themes and that we're going to talk about and that we did to already talk about. Free will is obviously a big part of it, which you know, if you want to get to that philosophy of godlike beings and 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 all that, but you know, you know, it's all about this godlike being and and our crew, how and or even the people, like if you want to do the Edo and all this stuff, like free will, and so like with Nagilam, you know, it's Picard saying, well, we're using our free will, we're not going to play, we're going to blow ourselves up because we're not going to play your game anymore, and so I think that's always an example of. Of well, see, they happens. ran the prediction through the computer and said, computer, how do we beat this? And then the Whopper spit out a piece of, you know, electrical tape and said, the only way to win is not to play. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, interesting. Um, so let's move on to, to one of my favorites. I know one of my favorites, and we, we bring it up often here. I don't know if you guys are as... Wait, is this the great fit? and powerful? <laughs> Uh, yeah, this some, is Kevin, guys. Come some on, let's know me talk as about Kevin. Kevin? 
Oh, there's just the mo I love that moment. It's just like, oh my god. It's just like he's like, yeah, I'm Kevin. And I just erased an entire species I didn't from existence. kill one line. I uh, killed the ball of the name species here. Like the Husnoth <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a weird name. It, now, among his powers, like if we were doing the godlike beings of TNG trading card series, <laughs> and I'm not saying oh, we're you not. Have a triple Kevin, three star? Yeah, I want one of those. <laughs> triple Kevin. <laughs> on, on the back, when it lists their powers, I think after ability to wipe out entire species with a single thought as number one, number two would be good tea. Good tea. Good tea. Uh, he's also, a musician. Uh, he has. He's he and he's a musician, and he has great uh, Wookie trapping building <laughs> skills. <laughs> so yeah, he, uh, he knows uh, how to make know, ships that. look mean without even using hailing yeah. frequencies. I mean, that's that's hard to pull off. <laughs> and uh, terraformer. It's, he's. That's true. That's true. Well, well like, well, let's put like, uh, like a small scale okay, terraformer. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, get like, what you pay for. Let's just say that. You know, like, <laughs> right. like an acre, an acre, acre. sized well, like, terraformer. He's good at SimCity. Like he can make that one pixel like really grow. <laughs> like if you had given him a couple more years, there would have been like a baseball stadium and a Ferris wheel. I mean, wheel. the subway, awesome. you know, bonus pack was coming out just next year, but he didn't have that yet. <laughs> <laughs> and though though I'll admit his his, his building is not that great because he could only get one population, so there's probably he probably didn't you know didn't have any power you know going to that city or anything. Oh, so, so it was like flashing the the power symbol repeatedly, like uh, you got to build a <laughs> reactor, Kevin. You know you need to connect it. You need sewer, <laughs> or maybe his his tax rate may have been too high. You can't do ninety nine percent. You know I know, but really. so you're saying his uh, HOA was just getting ridiculous, so he just destroyed yeah. the entire rest of the planet. <laughs> He's like, fine, boom, oh, yeah. you're all gone. <laughs> You tell me I can't put my plastic pink flamingos out in my yard, huh? To replace this greed acre with drought tolerant species? No, no, sir. I say, boom. <laughs> what do you mean, booby traps aren't allowed? Your entire planet is going to be gone. I am the new head of the HOA. I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> Make my rules. Oh, that that is the best theory I've ever heard about Kevin. He's just really upset about HOA. <laughs> <laughs> I I paid top dollar for this property. I'm gonna damn well do what I please on it. <laughs> he wanted to put a flag up. Oh, look, if he wants to put a flag up, let him put a flag up. Oh, that makes total sense because it's not like he. He didn't actively destroy these people. He just didn't. He's like Batman. He just didn't save them. It's totally okay. So. <laughs> it's not the God we want. It's the God it's we the deserve. God we deserve. <laughs> uh, now, we, we really get a picture of like all these quote unquote gods like just around a table. Just like having like an annual meeting. Yeah. And Q's just like in the corner just pouting. Yeah. And now, now, of course, Kevin would be drinking tea at the oh, table. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Now, but, you know, interestingly, not not to, you know, be serious, but, like, you know, the, the whole thing about uh, Kevin, I can't really, I can't oh, say Kevin. it seriously, um, but the, the thing about the great and powerful Kevin was that he was, a, that that his race, or whatever it was, continuum perhaps, um, were pacifist, right, that's the whole thing, right, um, and that even when he was 
you know, a human um, in appearance, I guess, when the attack came against the planet and even his wife, who was like a million years old, just like him, um, you know, went and fought. Like, I'm not exactly sure how she fought, but she did. You know, I don't know. I guess everyone can pick up a phaser. Um, uh, planetary bombardment, Philip. I just, it's, it doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> I, well, I don't. Yeah, that's right. But anyway, so he was like, I will not fight. I will not fight unless they kill my wife and then everyone is dead. <laughs> so, you know, that's pretty much the whole episode. It's, it's he goes from sad. zero to a thousand pretty much. Like, there is no in-between. Yeah. Yeah, and that, well, yeah, that's kind of like an inconsistency of the concept, right? Is like he could have easily pulled a um, – and you guys are going to have to definitely help me with this. This is a TOS episode. Uh, the one that stopped the, the Klingons. In oh, the, oh the, Organians. Yeah, the Organians. He could have pulled an Organian and just like made all well, of Princess the, Leia the, was you know, you know, the, instrumental in. The, oh wait, sorry, that's Organa. No, it's not Organian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to be fair, she was not necessarily the best woman to defend a planet either. So I don't really know if the results would have been. So was Kevin powering the Death Star? Is what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I think. Uh, I think she probably gave up that planet to the bad guys in that episode. You know. But but um, for copyright reasons, the Death Star could have been <laughs> the one that showed off there. But <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, wow! I lost my train now. Of I'm thought. just picturing uh, the card going. That's no Dyson sphere. That's a space station. <laughs> <laughs> wait. So wait. 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 <laughs> now, Darren. Just because I always have to think of you, does that mean in first contact that the Borg sphere is just a really small uh, <laughs> Death Star? Death star? Uh, yeah, I mean, when we even get a close-up on some spheres in, like, Voyager, like, they totally have dishes, like, right on the side. And, you know, all it would take is one sphere to assimilate an entire planet. That's, you know, that's pretty destructive. <sighs> Yeah, so, you know, I mean, we don't have to get really too far into maybe necessarily the the specifics or the exacts, but he, but like Philip mentioned, he, Kevin. The great and powerful. Um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't do that. Uh, he really, he really needed not, to be like, so my real name is, but he's it like, doesn't. Just, just call me Kevin. Like you said his race, I know, but it doesn't help. Uh, it, you know, uh, he he's. He's an interesting character because you know he he has all this power and does and then doesn't use it and use doesn't use it and doesn't use it and doesn't use it to a point and then it just kind of uh you know goes crazy and uh it's it's he's probably the single most uh, i I don't want to claim it but it's probably one of the single most powerful acts that we see any single being doing on and the on fact Star that we Trek. don't mm-hmm. see it uh, like the battle of Wolf five nine yeah. you know event was eventually seen but well you know when we were first described it is the aftermath again we see this entire planet wiped clean you know the great hoa came in and just destroyed uh <laughs> that's the name of his race i'm now stipulating <laughs> well you know to be fair we do see him like after he's in mourning i presumably even though we don't know that so like but like let's just assume he was always like that because he is the biggest get off my lawn god that we have met so um he is a uh, he's the uh, the Clint Eastwood of Star Trek, right? Uh, the uh, uh, <laughs> what's that movie called? All of them. Oh, for him, I, but I think you're thinking of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you're thinking Grand, of Grand, Grand Torino. Torino. Grand Torino. Yeah. <laughs> Grand Turismo. I mean, sorry. Uh, okay. What? I was gonna say Grand Turismo. And I'm like, <laughs> that's, that's a, a racing game. <laughs> Unless he had like 
a Mazda or something. <laughs> anyways, anyways. Um, so yeah, so let's move on. We, we spent quite a bit of time. We love Kevin here. We'll talk about the great Kevin and powerful. So powerful. <laughs> Honestly, he is actually, uh, when I was going through, ep- I literally went episode by episode. And it's possible that I might have skipped one or missed part of the episode in my head or whatever. He's really the last kind of super being, super powerful being that we get in TNG, except for Q, of course, because we get him recurring. Um, but one thing I did want to mention was um, John Doe from Transfigurations, because this is essentially, this is Star Trek saying, hey, there is a point at which there's a transition from these normal, boring bipeds that we see every day to this kind of glowy light being that does all these amazing things. And that was actually kind of an interesting idea. I really actually liked the idea that there's this planet that's going through a massive transition where there are people... Essentially, they're reaching enlightenment, right? Literally. I mean, they're reaching enlightenment and becoming balls of light and going on and doing their thing. That's actually really cool. That's a cool concept, and maybe it would have been neat to kind of kind of explore that a little bit more because we only get a tiny bit of it. And then there's a section of this of the populace that's terrified of it and they need to stop them at all costs um but i like the idea that you know we get it in all of star trek whenever we talk about these creatures that they're they're just natural physical beings that move they 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 have essentially evolved beyond physical bodies and that x that episode kind of explores that concept and in a way that we is very unique we don't get that perspective uh, before or after, I don't think. Well, I, I mean, I was just going to say, and well, TOS aside, because it's probably there too, because a lot of uh, Lights of... Oh, I'm blanking. I'm going to get it wrong here, but like Lights of Zatar, I think is what it's called, where they're just, you know, they're balls of light and blah, blah, Um And even Triskelion, or Gamesters of Triskelion, even though they're brains, I know, but still. Um, so that, that happens a lot in TOS. But in TNG, Transfigurations, I think, is early on... Well, not early on. It's like four... Or three, I can't remember which one, what season. But um, but it's it's it does show this sort of you know being and in in, turns into energy and like that's cool. That said, though, we go to that well an awful <laughs> lot, an awful lot. Like Wesley character arc aside, um, like and this is just off the top of my head. So like I'm probably missing them. So like Kess, okay. Um, oh right, right, right. Cisco, yeah. I would argue. Ball of light. Uh, um, yeah. Okay, you're right. You're right. Uh, but but this whole and, and even like outside of Trek, like um, Babylon Five people who would know um, that's apparently where humanity turns into Vorlons, turns into balls of light, according to um, uh, I don't. It wasn't sleep. Well, sleeping in the light, you could say Sheridan turned into a ball of light when he died because he just he didn't die. He just boofed. Um, um, but even uh, the, the the season four did and, turned into a ball of light. Well, there you go, the child, which was an alien. Yeah, but he came. I think that's disqualified because he came from a ball of light, right? And well, like, he, the... he came from a rapey ball of light, so that's like. Well, that I mean, if you want to go into into and didn't, uh, various the Enterprise consciousness turned into a ball of light. That's true. The emergence ball of light. Uh, just do a whole episode wow, on ball of lights. Balls of lights. <laughs> you guys, you guys are Star Trek shaming me on how much uh, transfers wait, wait, into I, balls of lights. Are. I really now want to do hashtag Star Trek shaming, where we're just gonna we're just gonna make like a like just give us a, uh, you holding a whiteboard. We'll Photoshop in what we want to put in there. Like can't remember Q episode. Just, just looks sad. Not no balls crunch. of light. Uh. Oh, and for your uh, uh, for your reference. Philip Transfigurations was 
uh, season three, episode twenty-five, the wipe right because it's right, right before, before best of both um, worlds. Best of both worlds. Yeah, that's right. But anyway, so yeah, so like, so I can't really blame transfigurations, but like, I'm just saying, it's you know, the, the, well, the whole concept that, and I know I'm, you can, I'll stop talking, but like the whole concept that humanity or anyone will all eventually evolve beyond the need and we'll all be energy balls. You know, that's sort of like an ongoing thing in sci-fi. Yeah, and I'm trying to think. I feel like there's been another episode where this basic plot existed, where you know something was holding their society back or something like that. And one person escaped to the clutches of the radiation or the society or whatever. And then he, he progressed forward. I can't recall what episode that is. Oh, Dr. Sci-Fi, please tell us what it was. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, but yeah, but I mean, that seems like a, a a well-used sci-fi, you know, trope, like the something's holding us back from evolving or from realizing our place in the universe. But, you know, no, no. One side of my face is a ball of light. The other, not on. I know it's, it's true. It was making me think of uh, that. Actually, the black and white episode. Um, but let this be less battlefield. Ooh. It is correct. Correct. Yeah. Did you know that, right. Daniel? <laughs> oh, the things I know about this Sesame Street, Star Trek. Can you say let this be your last battlefield? <laughs> uh, but yeah, but no, John Doe. Good. Uh, another dip into the ball of light well as we've established yeah, and, I, and i like how at the end of that episode he um pushes the enterprise closer to hun- <laughs> oh wait no that's that's not okay never mind awkward yeah uh, yeah whatever well that that's actually that's interesting that actually would be kind of an interesting yeah, why uh, couldn't voyager meet more balls of light that wanted to push them closer to home <laughs> basically it's like in shoots and ladders like that was their ladder and um, anyway, uh, I think I think they only rolled a two. If they had rolled a six, they could have made it all. You know, the, the problem home, is their drama die was a one. <laughs> so <Yeah>. that's. <laughs> Anyways, so okay, so we talked a lot about uh, all of these different beings, and I wanted to, to. Star Trek also likes to explore the other side of this, the other side of the coin, where um, the other side of the coin, <laughs> <laughs> where the Enterprise or. or our heroes go to places and are viewed as gods. And of course, very famously in one of my favorite episodes, uh, and you guys love this episode too, who watches the watchers, right? Where it's the Picard, (laughs) where, (laughs) where Picard is viewed as a God and, and is seen as a God. And it's interesting. Like if we, if we kind of swap the, um, Oh my goodness, I'm blanking on her name, her character name, the young woman in that episode, uh, who I don't I don't even remember the race. <laughs> Proto Vulcans, <laughs> just <laughs> the Proto Vulcans, right? But she comes up onto the Enterprise. Essentially, she comes up onto the Enterprise and and starts basically kneeling before Picard. And and Picard, I love that line where he's where where he's like, uh, no, 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 stand Tuckins up. Like, you don't, you don't, is the uh, Tuckins, and well, where she comes up onto the Enterprise and she kneels in front of Picard. It's a great scene, and he's like, no, no, stand up. And she says, you do not wish it. And he says, no, I don't deserve it. And I was thinking about this, and it would have, like, imagine if Q kind of felt that way. Like, how would that conversation go? Not that any of our, the characters that we know, like, would worship him necessarily, but they certainly would think of him as an elevated kind of being. But anyways, it's a really interesting concept to think, like, wow, like, any, it's that old uh, Arthur, uh, not Arthur, um, it's that old 
Isaac Asimov quote, right? Any sufficient uh, technology would be viewed mm. as magic by uh, sufficiently. Yeah, by I whatever, love that indistinguishable know, from every, magic. We're all quote. science it's, fiction, which I think they did. I don't know if it's TNG, but that, it was quoted not by Asimov's name, but the concept is quoted sometime everywhere. Well, there is a book called Indistinguishable from Magic. That's a Star Trek book, but I know what you're. I think, um, yeah, I can't remember the episode either. But I, I think you're right. They do mention that. Um, well, you know, in some ways, what Star Trek does a lot, an awful lot, now that I think about it, because like, I'm thinking of every series, not just TNG, is the whole, like, aliens or beings or humans with advanced technology arrived on Earth, and they were perceived as gods, and, you know, whether it's it's the um, rubber tree people, not that they were the rubber tree people, but they came to the rubber tree people um, in Voyager, which that was revealed. Um, the preservers, right? They came in and just made everything. Um, or uh, Apollo in his ilk, right? The Greek gods, just aliens with the technology. Um, you know, and, and so everything is, is always just people coming down and technology and their gods. And so, so in, but in this case, it's us and who watches the watchers. So, you know what I'm... <laughs> In this in this Star Trek world, then Philip, what I'm thinking is like we all know we've seen the meme of the guy from the Discovery Channel with the crazy hair, yeah. and he's like, Alien. "It's the History Channel, actually." But go ahead. Yeah, the History Channel. Yeah, whatever. Um, I'm thinking like that. This guy exists in the 24th century, and he actually has credible evidence that aliens are always the ones doing things that like help us out. Uh, but you know, he doesn't have any way to prove it, and so he's he just shows up on this you know Starfleet News Network, and he's like. You know, I'm not saying every race is related by a seeding race, but, uh, you know, aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, like Stargate was just Egypt aliens, you know, just created Egypt. That's all it was. So, But, yeah, well, you know, because that is interesting when the shoe's on our foot, because we don't often do that. I'm thinking of every Star Trek episode in my head in this five seconds Um, that, (laughs) you know, where we're the god. And we're like, no, 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 no. You know, so I I do give credit that that is an interesting concept for that episode to to try to go after. And uh, I'm gl- and I'm glad we're talking about it. On the flip side, we have Devil's Due, whereas someone who is not as noble as Picard um, decides instead of enlightening a being or enlightening a species, they're going to take advantage. Uh, so we can see that side of kind of what happens when when you show tremendous power in this universe, in reality. And, and this is true. I mean, honestly, if you had the ability to do what Ardra does and the devils do, you could sucker a lot of people out of their money, and which is exactly what she tries to do the whole episode. Space Vegas. Well, you know, the, the and it's been a while since I've watched Devil's Do, and I know you have probably please watch it more recently than i have daniel um because i guess you'd watch it to go to sleep every night um but you know it's uh <laughs> i think the thing about that episode that i know picard is is struggling with um but as a viewers i wonder whether you struggle or how all of us do even our listen you know because picard's trying to make the point like and this is me paraphrasing dude Y'all are like technology. Why are you listening to crazy devil woman? You know, like, in other words, like, you know, you guys are a little advanced. Why are you listening to this whatever, you know, whatever? So I think that's a very interesting, you know, thing of, of like, how we're buying that. I'm trying to – I don't know the main dudes, you know, who's sort of like, oh, it's Ardra. Ah, 
you're awesome. Um, you know, sort of like he's sort of like, uh, we're totally buying this. You know, and Picard's like, really? I really? Really? He's sort of like doing the SNL. Really? Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> we're, we're going here? This is what we're doing? Okay. Right, right. De- you know, Devil Woman appears. Really? After thousands of but years. But I mean, okay. what I really think of when I think of as devils do is Data performing as Ebenezer Scrooge. I mean, that's... Isn't that really what we're talking about? No. No, it's, no, it's not? Okay. Just me. Just me. Plus the worst Halloween makeup devil costume they could possibly make. I mean, the Klingon... Devil was scarier looking Fekor. than him. Fekor. Fekor. <laughs> no, no, I know you love this episode, Darren, because it's your favorite technology ever. The contact lens computer. Yeah, the, to the double blink, <laughs> look left, doot, doot, doot. <laughs> but yet data doesn't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> it's true and but anyways if people wanted to listen i what philip was just referencing was i just recently did a ready room about the devil's do which you should listen to it's a great episode it was a lot of fun to do um all right let's so that's it that's that's all of the group that i specifically wanted to talk about um you know what i wanted to mention um we're gonna head towards our end here in just a minute but i, I wanted to bring up an idea there are four Star Trek movies. Star Trek: The Next Generation. I was going to say you're discounting a me. lot there. Excuse me. <laughs> well, excuse I don't know. me. If you're getting here first, <laughs> and, and one, you know, the, the, I can, you know, <laughs> that's true. So there are okay four Star Trek: The Next Generation movies. There are twelve released Star Trek movies. Now, uh, of the TOS, the original TOS films, three, three have. God-like beings in them, right? Okay, so, so, if Star so Trek, five. Right, okay, five. Because that's obvious. Because it's starring God. Five um, is obvious. Okay, um, right, let me see. Are you so talking about the six. probe in four? I okay. am talking about the probe. Because and the V'ger? probe is... And, and V'ger, uh, yes, yeah. yes. The whale probe and V'ger are both incredibly powerful. Like, literally ex- existential problems for I mean, all of the Two Federation. and three are the only so, ones I mean, where it's really not Earth at stake. All the other ones are kind yeah. of like that. <laughs> Yeah, but three, but well, six is a is a is an actual physical. It's like a right. military threat. The, it's the, not so like a, now, in this is not my movie, and I think maybe Darren, you would probably like it better than I do. But like, so I'm thinking, whale probe is that like the obelisk in 2001? Is that you mean the monolith? The same concept. Um, monolith. Excuse me. See, I didn't get the name right. So yeah, you could call it that. I mean, they in 2010 they basically absorb Jupiter and turn into a second sun. That's pretty powerful. If um, so, the obelisk in um, monolith in two thousand one. I, ju- I just <laughs> monolith, said. Sorry, I just, Philip did that. <laughs> Philip did that. Philip did the, it's the monolith in my <laughs> in two thousand one essentially caused humans to um, evolve yeah, right into stipulated. from. Fr- so does that mean that um, that would have kind of kind of filled the gap in between? Uh, dolphins and Commander Flipper. Uh, that's right. Well, are you saying that whale so. came that back would... and and spurred the the whales forward? Although, is that yeah. the planet? Is the whale probe planet the uh, where the dolphins come from for Commander Flipper's homeworld? So many questions, so little answers. I know. And, and <laughs> wait, does that mean that that ball that it was sort of searching, which everyone, I assume the symbolism was that it's like the planet that it's searching. Was that really the encounter suit 
of Commander <laughs> Flipper it was showing. Yeah. And it was just like one of, the, one of the dolphins ball. was in there. A, the mother <laughs> dolphin was in there. Was yeah, I actually read uh, a book. Anyway. Um, they had a book called Probe that was about the dolphin. The, not such, they got me all mixed up. About the whale probe and the species that what came from What was the prob- obelisk in there about? Gosh, monolith, monolith, monolith dear lord. Monolith. <laughs> anyway, it was a good, it was a good, it was a good book. If you find it, I recommend reading it. Uh, anyways, <laughs> the reason I brought that up, uh, try, try to backtrack a little bit. <laughs> four here. movies, um, I got it. Was there because- are four yeah. movies. <laughs> so three of the, the six have got like essentially super powerful beings in them, and. You know, regardless of what side of the fence you fall on, generally speaking in fandom, there are one and a half to two, to two and a half, I guess I would say, Star Trek Next Generation movies that really work. Now, we might not agree on which, which movie we would replace. Also, I'm even in, though, in my head canon right now, I'm assuming you're like combining halves. Like, well, one half, half of generation. This one and the second and half of this one, one equals one. But go ahead. I'm not saying I'm not saying which movie I'd replace, but if I were to replace one movie with a godlike being, I would call it Q Surrection. So I'm just saying, do you guys think um, that we, especially us in TNG, who got this great character that we established and got to see, we 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 pick your your least favorite TNG movie and replace it with a Q movie? Does (sighs) isn't that something you're more interested in seeing? But we got him in. In all good things. I mean, he was there, you know, kind of at the end. So I felt we kind of got yeah, we no, kind of was. got our Q movie with all good things. Star Trek Q rations. Nah, it doesn't really work. First nah. Q, <laughs> first Q, Q first contact. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've already had the Q Borg episode. We can, you know, do the Q. Or okay, if, if you don't even want to do that, let's just say then fine. Let's not do that. Let's make a fifth TNG movie in the vein of all good things, but for the movies. Well, you know, in in and this is not. I don't know. I'm stretching it, but I'm going to go stretch it because that's <laughs> what I do. The Nexus is not a. We can't communicate with it, but it's it not is. Sentient, I mean, it has. But it, now I know I know the way Daniel teaches the Nexus that it is merely a space time um, energy ribbon uh, energy ribbon. <laughs> but I think you know in in other schools that I've been to I've learned that the Nexus is is a you know a way of of grasping people and taking them to different places. But you know so you know I I know it's just a, a space time energy ribbon, but it's very very specific one. You have to admit so. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, first contact is the Borg, Borg Queen, not really, you know, unless you want to figure out where did the Borg come from, you know, then you could get into some V'ger territory. Um, insurrection, um, y- you have that who watches the watchers. I know it's not really godlike, but you have them sort of like playing God for a moment there, Starfleet, of, of like, we're just going to look at these people. Um, and then Nemesis is, you know, whatever that I mean, was. I guess you could have put a sub- sub-thread in insurrection that Q created the briar patch to like protect those people from contamination or something. I don't know. But Darren, who would want to live in the briar patch? (laughs) I think you could, I think you could replace the Nexus with Q and that would actually fix a lot of plot holes in that film. 
Um, Q has the both so the, the ability and like the will. Q's jalopy, and he's just cruising around the universe. You know. Well, no, I mean, you, I'm just like <laughs> seeing him like waving through the planet. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. like, why don't they just find a Q with a ship? Because he's a he's a jerk, and he'll just flick you out. Hang on, but but hear me out. Hear me out. I mean, of course, you'd have to adjust the film in ways. But if you're if you're looking at a way to uh, if you're looking at a way to connect to very disparate places in time, Q can do that without any. He- there's literally no problem with him doing that. And you could very easily write into it why Guinan hates Q so much. You could explain it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're gonna have her in the movie anyway, I mean, I think you might it, as well. And I mean, it's unspoken, but I think it's because she made him. Uh, or she, he made her meet Samuel Clemens. I think that was sort of the. <laughs> I, I would I would understand that hatred. <clears throat> All right, guys, we are we are. Well, I'm surprised we talked this long about this this topic here. Uh, let's let's do uh, final thoughts. Um, let's move into kind of you know TNG does have its fair share, and we've talked about a lot of them, a good chunk of them here, of these godlike beings. And it's an interesting sci-fi trope. We get to kind of explore different aspects of, of uh, you know, of civilization, of humanity, of power struggles, and of religion. We get to kind of really delve into these issues when we get these all-powerful beings. And if you can't tell, we're all Q fans here. And so it got us this amazing Q character. And it, it, it provides a wealth of storytelling, and this is why, uh, as much as I really like modern TV, these are my final thoughts, by the way, guys. I'll let you guys go next. But even though I like, I love serialized storytelling. I do, I would never want Star Trek to completely give up on its uh, serialization. Uh, it's uh, excuse me, its um, episodicness. I I like the idea of a self-contained story. I mean you can you can have character threads throughout all of it, but have a self-contained story in an episode that you you can just pop in at any time. You can watch a Q episode. You can watch the Robin Hood Q episode, which I don't remember. You guys can help Cupid. me out here. Cupid, thank you. But who's Bash? That As I say, Daniel, that's the only like the Vash? one I definitely uh, always for sure know. It doesn't really matter though. Does it does it really matter? I mean, do you really have to care? All you have to know is that Picard likes her. That's it. That's and all. That's he's all. never and told anyone about her because in his head canon. She, no, never mind. Head canon accepted. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, th- there are just times that you can just play in a world for 40 minutes at a time and tell the really interesting stories. Uh, and the, this kind of cue godlike amazingly powerful being can be a perfect vessel with which to tell that story. It's just like, hey, this guy removed an entire species from existence. Let's talk about this for for 45 minutes. What would that be like? What kind of a being would be able to do that? And how would that affect him? And how would that affect the rest of the galaxy? Again, Section 31 should be all over Kevin. Like, I don't know what, if they've got drones above his tiny little house (laughs) and his tiny little acre... Uh, hey, they really need to get on that. But <laughs> <laughs> great. Now, of course, now that you've said this, I'm now mi- picturing Cupid as cubing the ultimate GM and just being like, "All right, <laughs> now Picard, can you please introduce the character you'll be playing? You have your character Penalty sheet in box. front of you, uh, Robin Hood, <laughs> um, and uh, Vash. You will be playing uh, Maid Marian. There's your character sheet. Okay, you. All right, all right. Uh, Enterprise crew, bridge crew. 
You awake in a glen. Are you sure you want to fight that Nausicaan, <laughs> Picard? Because I got a blank no, character no, sheet no, over Picard. here you might be needing. Um, your, your only weapon is a loot. <laughs> Data, you get a mutton chop. Oh. Oh. Uh, but anyways, so that yeah, that's kind of you know. I guess since you guys decided, I was done with my final thoughts. Oh, I'll be done sorry. with my final thoughts. But uh, uh, no, Darren, what about you? What do you think? Like, anything you want to kind of close the loop on here, or you know, we can always we can always revisit it because time is meaningless. I think we, we need a kind balls of, of light episode. There's enough material. I am now convinced there's enough material to have an episode about that. Uh, but we also did talk about Q way back. In about 75 episodes ago, in episode uh, 25, or sorry, 24, uh, Hog <laughs> For a second, I thought you were kidding. No. But you're being literal. It <laughs> no. really was. Wow, it literally so was that long ago. ago. Where we, uh, we talked with the uh, TTJ about Q and TTJ. Our friends over at To the Journey. To, to the, the journey. journey! But yeah, no, this is a really fun topic. And yeah, once you start compiling the list, like there's actually quite a lot that fit that description i mean yeah you think of q in the beginning and you're like oh there's maybe one or two others but i mean there's the all great and powerful kevin there's you know there's there's quite a few so it but it never gets old but they're all they're also different enough where it is it's not like oh not this again it's you know it's a different sometimes they're trying to fight them you know with their weapons sometimes they're trying to you know go to sub paragraph b you know to you know usurp the system sometimes and that's and that's what's great star trek you know i mean if let's say in star trek beyond or whatever they have like an all-powerful being they go against or something like that it's like but there's so many different ways you can tackle that and that's what makes star trek great is that you know sometimes it's just going to be you know picard doing his thing or sometimes it's Riker making the choice or sometimes it's the only way to win is not to play you know you never know Uh, and sometimes you're just lucky that they're fairly benign and because they really could kill you at any point and they just choose not to yeah that's i mean that's totally true and really most of these people could choose to kill you and then bring you back which we have seen before um but you know that's something separate anyways uh philip what do you think what are your closing thoughts on kind of these this kind of subset of of star trek storytelling sure and i guess technically we did not count uh riker who was Briefly, a god. Briefly, yeah, there you go. Well, he was a, he was a Q, and we we included His eyes all the Qs. So Q wanted to you know fix everything. <laughs> right Q counts. <laughs> that's right. Anyway, well, you, you know that's funny now that you think of. Um, I mean, uh, strictly speaking, the second pilot of the original series was about godlike beings, um, which is funny in the because in my in the book Q squared, it's actually argued that those are Q. Because that's that's a great novel. It's a TNG novel, but it's Trelane. It's a, they finally make Trelane, you know, canon Q. I mean, if you, I'm canon. I'm using it loosely because it's a novel. But anyway, but it's a good novel. Accepted. Yeah, but it's, it's actually a really good one because there's multiple realities of of TNG. But anyway, Jack Crusher shows up. But anyway, um, yeah, because this is an interesting, you know, because we have we, you know, this isn't a you know TNG and 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 religion episode, um, but but the godlike beings because that fantastical element that y'all are talking about, you know, we we never do want to lose that, like you were saying, Darren, you know, because in Star Trek Beyond, <laughs> do we have to say um, it like that now every time? 
You do. <laughs> I can't exactly do the CBJ version there, but uh, I was going to say our our version of Q. Chris Jones does that, yes. so I think it's it's, <laughs> it's directive from on high at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. He, he well, he controls our existence much like. Um, but anyway, yeah, because that fantastical element because it, it is you know there's there's a lot of times with our villains whether it's Romulans or Cardassians we know we have to fight them with our weapons or our minds or whatever. But with the godlike beings, you know there is no win. You know, it's almost the Kobayashi Maru scenario. Like, how do you fight the great and powerful Kevin? <laughs> you know, um, you don't. You know, other than ring, to, I you mean, ring like the bell a, instead of knocking. Obviously, that's going to piss him off if you do it wrong. <laughs> that's right. Um, and, and so, you know, with there, we don't we don't win. We just, you know, Picard just tut tuts him, and like, there's, <laughs> you know, there's nothing we can do. Which I don't like. Like, you really could have put Kevin in the brig if you wanted to, but. You know, um, yeah. but, uh, you know, and, 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 but it sort of in Nagilam, you know, our solution there was to kill ourselves, basically. I mean, you know, again, there's, there's no way you can win against these beings, but it sort of is the Kobayashi Maru because you have to prove yourself. And again, with the Edo Guardian, we didn't win that one. We just sort of tar- talked our way out of like, uh, you know, justice, hashtag. And that, that and and then that's how we won that one. Actually, you know, because you argue there's not black and white that they're and they, you know, and we don't really know if we won or not. All we know is that the guardian let them we didn't back to the lose. show. So. Exactly, exactly. So you know, so to me, those godlike beings, you know, you don't want to do it too much. I think because, like I said, um, I mean, as I like my TNG, you know, you want it to be quote unquote hand finger quote um, real realistic. You know, and having all these godlike beings kind of mucks up the the, the universe because, like, you know, if Q exists, then he can do anything, and then blah blah blah. It's like having like it's like if, if you had the ability to time travel in a magical world that where you were threatened. Uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> time turner solves everything. All right, but anyway, but um, but yeah, but but it does give you this conflict that you can't have in other ways, and so I'm glad we have it in TNG. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. It's just it's an interesting uh, interesting topic, and we we've talked about it for quite a bit here, guys. I'm really surprised that this this topic has turned into this discussion is really interesting. And honestly, I think we could we could probably keep going. There's there's, there's a many lot that we didn't actually get to touch to cover. on. There really I are. Knew there really are. It would be a good discussion. Oh, nice. I see. Going back to the beginning. All right, guys. Well, the great and powerful Kevin is not the only thing we've been talking about here on Trek FM this week. So here's a look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. So Nicholas Meyer hearing that immediately starts getting inspiration. So like, let's do Chernobyl in space. Let's do the wall comes down in space. And it just sort of comes out of, of, of Nicholas Meyer. You know, let's, let's comment on, you know, you know what, 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 how would Kirk feel about this? And all, all these sorts of issues. Earl Grey. Yeah, really, she's following the Hasbrat, I think, is really what it is. <laughs> Come for the revolution, stay for the Hasbrat. It's got to be fresh Hasbrat. None of that replicated stuff. Like, Daniel's, like, at the, watching the end of this episode, like, tears are coming down the face. It's like, no, oh, it's the Hasbrat. It's so spicy. It's what it is. <laughs> the orb. Well, apparently, and did you find this interesting, Matthew? Apparently... The Navark reports directly to the prophets. Which is awkward because they don't always show up for meetings, so... Right. Yeah. Plus, you never know what time the meeting is really going to be, right? That is true. It could have been yesterday, and you might have missed it. The Ready Room. 
Do you think this episode would have been so popular and remain a fan favorite if the Enterprise had been overrun with zebra muscles? <laughs> <laughs> to the journey! Why is he wearing the toga? Now, is he going to a frat party or is he being Julius Caesar? Either way, it's weird. Don't you don't you know Tristan's fascination with late 20th century university social groups? Warp 5. It kind of like is akin to um, when fans saw the Galaxy class in The Next Generation for the very first time. And you had a, basically a crew and civilian compliment of, what, over a thousand people? About two-thirds of that compliment were civilians and their families. So you d- actually did have teachers and scholars and scientists and their extended families on board. Commentary, Trek stars. One of the things that amazes me about the score for Star Trek The Motion Picture is that he he only had 50% of the movie available to him when he scored. So he, he was scoring an awful lot to scene missing, scene missing. The 602 Club. Where did he get the cloak from on the <laughs> other planet? I really, really, really want to know. He shows up uh, with the he, cloak. He, he, he kind of fashioned it out of out of a rudimentary lathe. Uh. <laughs> Literary treks. It's a small point, but I thought it was really interesting to have here in the book because, again, that's what Star Trek Deep Space Nine has really always done for Star Trek, which is kind of make faith okay in the Star Trek universe and show how it's valid. And so I thought that was a really nice... Uh, and it, again, it's a it's a tiny point in the book, but I thought it was pretty powerful, at least for me, who is somebody who is a faith. So. Mm-hmm. Axanar, the official podcast. It is the spirit of TOS that matters that's being captured, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the aesthetic. The aesthetic was 1966 to 1969 that had its moment, it had its time. And there's a certain amount of charm still to that but it doesn't allow you to push the narrative forward because that type of aesthetic holds creativity back in my opinion women at warp there's so many things that i got to do yeah i got to i got to pilot the defiant you know i got to sit in the chair that was like that was a big deal yeah and renee would always say no no you know this isn't real I mean, you're you're so excited to be in the chair. It's not actually happening. It's exciting. <laughs> it was exciting. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows to get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows podcast directory for Xbox and Zoom. Visit the Trek.fm website for the full Trek experience. You can view our podcast directory to stream the audio from all of our shows. If you would like to contact us, just go to Trek.fm slash contact. From there, choose Message to a Trek FM Show and select Earl Grey. These messages will be relayed by Starfleet to the three of us. In social media, you'll find us on facebook.com slash trekfm or join our Facebook listener discussion group called The Babel Conference. Find it by searching The Babel Conference on Facebook. Now let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor this week, audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. This is the premier source for audiobooks, with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Now, as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. 
Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. There's one more way you can directly help us to keep Earl Grey coming to you each and every week, and that's through becoming a patron of Trek FM. By visiting patreon.com slash trekfm, you can choose among various pledge levels and receive rewards for becoming a Trek FM patron. These rewards let you inside the observation lounge of our network and make it possible for us to distribute all our great content. So please become a patron and visit patreon.com slash trekfm today. All right, Philip, if people are interested in next week's lottery numbers, how would they get a hold of you? <laughs> well, um, if you search on Twitter, hashtag justice, you will be able to find me. And my Twitter handle there is at NC Public Servant. That's NC for North Carolina. Or non-corporeal. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, Darren, if... if if ever you know if anybody is having like deep financial trouble and they just need money to come out of nowhere how would they get a hold of you <laughs> uh they can find me at one up dan it's username <laughs> um, but no they can find me to talk uh, science fiction monoliths uh, what about obelisks? On, uh, Where can I find obelisks? Then uh, this is not Stargate SG One. Uh, this is not you know Egyptian based. They can find me at Doctor Sci-Fi D R S C I F I. No, we know where we know where Darren stands on Team Obelisk versus Team Monolith. <laughs> Look, I don't want to see your uh, obelisk um, guys on this side of the ship. Okay. Uh, and if people want to talk to me about Balls of Light, they can find me at One Up Dan, and that is the number one, not the word. All right, guys, with all of these balls of light floating around, I'm going to go take a juggling class. Uh, Make sure I get this all sorted out. So we will see you next time on Earl Grey. Engage. Make it so. Live long and prosper. Fire. (laughs)